Amen. Good morning, church. It is so, oh, I love that. I need that call and response. Yes. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Good way to get us started. Good morning. This, it is so exciting to, to be here with you guys. Um, it is really exciting the way that God just works. Sometimes we don't see the whole puzzle. We see fragments of the puzzle piece. And if you're anything like me, you really try your hardest to see how they fit. And you try to make them fit. And sometimes God's just like, take it easy. And, and see that I am working all things for your good. And that is my story. I know that that is your story. And it is a privilege not just to be here um, with you guys this Sunday, but to, to be able to come into a season where I can call this my home. So thank you guys for welcoming me. Thank you for, for becoming that spiritual family for me. And speaking of family, I am like so excited because my parents are here. So, um, yeah. So all of this was all their fault. So if you have any questions or concerns, please address it to them, all right? <laughs> um, I want you guys to close your eyes for a minute, and I want you to think of church. Think of, um, you know, you, you pull into the parking lot, and, and you start making your way in through the doors, and, and you walk up the stairs, you walk down these beautiful hallways that, that we have. You make your way towards the ministry center, you see chairs, you see the awesome platform, there's lights, there's screens, there's walls and windows. You go into the beautiful historic sanctuary and it's just this beautiful wraparound balcony that is so breathtaking and... Now open your eyes. It's a church, but just take a second and look around you. You are the church. The people that you are looking at, you are the church. Buildings come and go. It is so sad, but if you, if you look up, crazy, beautiful, historic churches all around the world are becoming banks and museums because churches crumble. But the people of God, from Genesis to Revelation, and we're in the middle of that, there is always a remnant that can never die because Jesus is alive. And that is what we're going to talk about today. We have been going through this series called Stirred Up, where God stirs up his people time and time again. And we're believing that God is stirring us up for such a time as this. For such a time as this. So let's read in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 12. And you can follow along on the screens. It says, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, by chose, but chosen by God, precious to him, you also are like living stones and are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, I see, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you 
here we're talking about the church. We're talking about this faithful remnant. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you, as aliens and strangers in the world, to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. So Jesus is the living stone. He is the cornerstone. And here, Peter is talking. He's, he's writing this letter to a church that is suffering a lot of persecution. They're under a lot of pressure. And he's writing to them, encouraging, saying, don't give up. You have been called for such a time as this. And if we look at the world around us, you know, things, it, it's like a roller coaster. Things are like, you know, pretty awesome. And then all of a sudden something happens. And, and it's our life. Our life is this constant hills and valleys, hills and valleys, and then seasons of like plains of the in-between. And this word, it's, it's God literally speaking through generations, reaching us, talking to us and challenging us, saying, is Jesus really your cornerstone? Is Jesus really your foundation? When Peter's talking to the church here, he's saying, you are a chosen royal priesthood. You are the people of God. But it wasn't just for them, it's for us now. You can stand in confidence and say, I am part of the chosen generation. I am part of this church that God is calling to rise up. I am being called to set my life on the rock. So we are being stirred up, as the series has talked about. The Spirit of God comes and he begins to move in a people that are beginning to lose hope, in a people that are beginning to, to wonder, God, where are you? In a time where people are starting to, to feel frustration because the plans are just not going the way that they thought. And God comes to stir and to say, I'm not done with you yet. I'm not finished with this building that I am building, I'm not done. And we are being stirred up to be built up, as the passage said, we're being built up into the spiritual house, and not just for the purpose of a building, buildings crumble and fall, we're being built up to be offered up back to him for his glory for his glory. And the most beautiful thing, like what, what really blows my mind is that all of the narrative of scripture is wrapped in this. It starts with God. Everything is initiated by him. His love for us, his, his constancy, his perseverance, his, his pursuing amazing love stirs us in order so that we can be built so that we can be offered up so that it goes right back to him. And it's this beautiful cycle that can only happen if he is our cornerstone. So I want you to take just a quick second and, and really like, is Christ your cornerstone? Is Christ the rock where you are building? In Matthew 7, we see two different builders, one who built his house on the sand and one who built his house on the rock. And what really proves the foundation and the structure of the house 
is not the good times. In the good times, the structure's standing. Cool house, man, that's really awesome. What really proved the structure and the foundation was when the storm hit. Which one was left standing? The one that was built on the rock to which Jesus says, this is a wise man. And the one who built his house on the sand is a foolish man. So Jesus comes and he makes himself the cornerstone. And Peter's like, he's like the foundation. He is that piece by which all the corners come together and are stable. And Jesus becomes in this moment, he becomes the foundation for the altar, for the sacrifice. So in the Old Testament, we see that to draw near to God, um, there was this pattern of needing to conduct sacrifices for, to atone for sin, and also in like Thanksgiving and sacrifices for communion to God, and, and only the priests could do it, only the ones that were from the tribe of Levi could perform these sacrifices. And it was this ritual that had to happen time after time after time so that we could see if we could be acceptable before God. And Jesus came to say, we don't need that anymore. You don't need to live sacrifice to be a sacrifice because I am coming to fulfill all of it. Jesus came to fulfill the law and prophets. He came to be the foundation, to become the altar. He became the very thing where the sacrifice would be upon, and he became the sacrificial lamb. He became the offering himself. No one else could do it. You couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. And in doing this, he became the once and for all for you and me. The once and for all, the very foundation that makes us be able to say, he's my father. The very foundation which gives me the right to stand on this rock regardless of my past, regardless of what I've done, regardless of my own storms, trials, and situations. It gives me the right to stand on this rock and say, I belong because I have been adopted. So a lot of things that we struggle with as, as something today in, 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 the, in the 21st century is this identity crisis. We don't know who we are. And Jesus reminds us time and time again, you are mine. And in this passage, he goes so much deeper than that and so much more richly than that. But he tells us, you are mine. Now get this, in, in these times, in ancient times, if a family had a kid, biologically, they could disown him at any second. And it would be totally fine. They could just leave their kid off on the street, whether he was a newborn or 21. <laughs> like, you could just, I don't want you, you're disinherited, you get nothing, you're done. But if a child was legally adopted, it was so binding that you could not disown or disinherit or anything. They were, they were bound for life, which is why all of the writers of the New Testament put this, this idea of adoption because it was an idea that when, when they would tell them, guys, you're adopted, for the Gentiles, the people who were not Jewish, they were like, you're adopted, you belong. They were like, whoa, that's crazy. And that is what Jesus is saying to us. You are adopted, you can come and stand on this rock, it's for you. 
It is for you because you have been adopted. And because you've been adopted, you are saved if you confess Jesus as your Savior and Lord. And when you're saved, you become justified. And justified just means that your, your status before the Lord has changed from guilty to innocent. And then you become sanctified. And this all happens on the rock. Sanctified is this process of being made holy. And holy is just a, a big word for saying, I, I am being renewed, and I am being set apart, and I am being transformed, and I am being molded, and I am being worked on day by day until Jesus comes again or I go home with him, whatever comes first. And this all happens on the rock. And then Jesus tells us, you are, this is who you are because you're on the rock. You are chosen. Even if people hear, you know, you were the, I was the last one to always get picked on the line for sports. Like when there were two team captains, like Audrey was always last. I'd be like, yeah, 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 I know this team. Whatever left was, I am not athletic by any means. Um, so sometimes we feel like that in life. We, like no one would choose us. But Jesus looks at you straight in the face and he says, I choose you first every time. And I would choose you over and over and over again. And then he says, you are royal. You are royal. Today, trends was like, oh, you're such a queen. Like, oh, what a queen. You know, they say that on like trend social media, like hashtag queen. And Jesus is like, no, but like for real. Hashtag Jesus, like for real, you are royalty. Not because you're cool, but because of me and you're on the rock. Jesus says you are a people who belong. Now you're not just whatever, you're not just a Gentile, and Gentile were the people who are not Jewish, who are not the chosen people. Jesus is like, if you believe in me, you belong now. You can be on this rock and, and we are chosen and we're royal and we're, we're, we're a priesthood now. Now the only people before who could offer these sacrifices were the people who came from the tribe of Levi and the people who were brought up and to, and to like do these sacrifices. And he's like, yeah, actually now because of me, you can bring your own sacrifice of praise. There's, there's nothing that separates us anymore. It is direct access. You have this authority to come and stand on the rock and worship just as you are. You don't need anybody in the middle anymore. We were made to worship, to declare the praises, declare the praises. When I think of that, I think of like, you know, those in, in cartoons, you always see like the, the little herald of the king was always this like short doofy guy, right? Who would like stand on a rock and be like, doo, 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 hear ye, hear ye. A message from the king, right? Like, that's us, except we don't have to be doofy. Like, we get to stand on the rock, not like a rickety crate, and we get to be like to the world, hear ye, hear ye. I have a message from the king. He loves you. He loves you. He wants you. He desires you. He wants to heal your brokenness. He wants to soothe your despair. 
He wants to heal your sickness. I have a message from the king. You are adopted. I have a message from the king. You are loved. I have a message from the king. You don't have to live in darkness anymore because the light has come. And when we do that, when we stand on the rock, he is, he is building us up into a spiritual house. He builds us up, each and every one of us. As we say yes to God, haha, you know what's coming. As he builds us up, we say yes to Jesus. Okay, this super firm stool is Jesus, okay? This is the solid foundation. As we come to Jesus, each and every one of us, it says, as we read, that he turns us into living stones. We're not just rocks. He's not building a church. He's building us for such a time as this. So he starts building us up, and as we learned in um, other sermons that Pastor Jeff was teaching us, all together we form part of the body. Some people have gifts, you know, of teaching. Some people have gifts of preaching. Some people have apostolic gifts, which are the ones, you know, that go and, and they're visionaries and they go and plant churches and, and they set these ideas. Some are teachers and there's all different types of gifts and together we build the church. And the thing is, you look at them, One's not bigger than the other. One's not more important than the other. Together, we form what God wants to form because we are all needed. So Peter's saying here, we are being built as living stones, Jesus being the first living stone. We are being built into this spiritual house in order to do all of this, in order to proclaim the good news, in order to show that we were made from darkness into light, in order to show that Jesus is still alive. And as Peter's talking to the church about this, he gives three Old Testament references, two in Isaiah and one in Psalms, where he talks about how the prophets and the prophecies all foretold of someone who would come to be the stone laid in Zion. Now, a lot of the Christians there believed that it was Jesus, but a lot of them didn't. And they were still waiting for a Messiah. So Peter was like, so remember that like cornerstone in Isaiah? And remember that rock in, in the book of Psalms? That's Jesus. And some people believed and some people didn't. When we're in Jesus, I'm going I'm to call my trusty assistant. John, help me. Okay. Guys, my brother's the best, like literally. He, he, he's building us up into this spiritual house. We are the church. It looks like a building. Looks like a building? To me, it does. OK, it looks like a building. Good answer. It looks like a building. Um, but we're more than a building. So we've established that, right? We're more than a building. So this is what, um, OK, I'll let you be God. I'll let you be God. You'll be, you'll be the good guy. Even though you stole my baby Yoda at Christmas, we're going to put that past us. OK, so this is what happens. The enemy of our soul, who is? Satan. Very good, very good. Okay. So the enemy of our soul, who is Satan, hates the church. He hates us. 
And he doesn't hate us because we're awesome or because we're, like, those things are true. But he hates us because he hates God. The war is actually not between us and Satan. The war is between Satan and God, and we're just collateral damage. (laughs) So this is what the enemy does. God builds it on the foundation, and this is what the enemy does. No, no, hold on, hold on. Not yet, Jesus. (laughs) So the enemy starts putting things out, and he starts saying, ha-ha, you're a priesthood? Yeah, right. Okay. Um, Yeah, no, um, you totally stink as a mother. Um, You can't go to church, sorry. Your kids are going to be like, what a hypocrite. Like, you're so crazy at home. Um... Yeah. Oh, you've been there. Okay. <laughs> I'm just making stuff up. <laughs> yeah, no, your addiction with alcohol, the church is never going to, like, you can't go to church and, like, do that. Like, no, you're not part of the body. You're not fit to be part of the body. Oh, hmm. Yeah. You struggle with pornography. Yep, sorry. You are not fit to be part of the kingdom. Where else? Um, no, 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 no. So on and so forth. Everything that God says about you to build you up in him, the enemy's like, you are not worth it. You will never measure up. Really, God does not say that about you. And this is what he does to the church. He weakens us to the point where there's missing pieces, and we let ourselves be missing pieces. We let ourselves believe the lies of the enemy that cause us to become away and torn apart from the body of Christ. But this is what Jesus does. He takes the pieces. And just like a good game of Jenga, he carefully starts putting everything back together. Because Jesus is redeemer, restorer, and renewer, and lover of your soul. So if you are here this morning feeling and believing that you can't be a part of the church, that it's a straight up lie from hell because you belong. And in the book, thank you, you're the best. (laughs) He makes such a good Jesus. And we see this. We can see it throughout our own lives. I bet you have seen your own life just like this, where the enemy starts poking and prying and tearing things and things that you didn't expect to happen happened, and you're like, I don't even know how to put the pieces back. And we start trying to, like, put the pieces back where they were, and God's like, relax. I'm going to put them where I see best and where they're actually going to work. And in the Old Testament, we see in the book of Nehemiah and Ezra, where um, they were trying to build, is my microphone like all crazy? Okay. They were trying to build the walls because they had been destroyed. And when Nehemiah and Ezra and all these people were like, we have to rebuild. The people of Israel were like, okay, do you see this? And, and as they started to build, 
the enemy would come and be like, dude, if a fox stood on that wall, it would totally come off. It would totally just like fall. But people like Ezra and people like Nehemiah and people like Haggai believed that if God said that he was going to rebuild and restore and renew, then he was going to do it regardless of the wreckage that was what was before their eyes. I believe that COVID was a scheme from hell to do this to the church. I believe that every attack on our identity and every attack to our heart that makes us believe that we don't belong is a lie from the pit of hell to do this to the church. But here's the thing. If and only if Christ is the foundation, then you can rebuild each and every time. And it's not us rebuilding, it's Jesus. It's not us picking up the pieces, it's Christ. Because he is building more than a church. He's building something so much more. And through the Bible, we see his promises over and over again. Job, after his crazy trial, looked up to heaven and I said, now I know that you can do all things and no plan of yours can be thwarted. Peter, who is writing this letter to the church, Jesus one day looked at him and he was like, who do you say that I am? And after, you know, a few things, he was like, you're, you're the Messiah. The Messiah means the anointed one, the Christ. And Jesus is like, ding, ding, ding. Yes, Peter finally got something right. <laughs> He's like, yes, Peter, on you, on your confession that I am the Christ, on you, Peter, which is Petros, which means rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And that is true for us today. The enemy might try, and the enemy might be playing a mean game of Jenga, but if we are on the foundation he cannot win. And as we build up, he is the foundation. And the spiritual house that is being built up is not just for the sake of being a cool club. It's not for the sake of, you know, let us be together and tithe and I have a membership and now I'm cool and I belong. And now, you know, if things don't go my way, you know, I'll sneak, you know, my opinion in there. No, it was like being the church is much more than being part of a club. We are called to do something. When Jesus was ascending into heaven, he said, now it's your turn. I have equipped you to go into the world and to make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All of that is an act of worship. We are being stirred up to be built up, to be offered up for his glory so that we can worship. So don't let the enemy pull you out. Worship like never before. Worship isn't just coming to church on Sundays. Worship isn't just listening to a song. Worship is the posture of your heart. So I'm challenging you this morning. How is the posture of your heart towards worshiping God? Is the altar of your heart in ruins? Or is the altar of your heart 
being built and restored and renewed by the power of the Holy Spirit. When the walls were being rebuilt, the first thing that they did, they didn't get to the bricks and to start rebuilding the walls. The first thing they did was rebuild the foundation in the place where the altar stood, in the place where their sacrifices were made. So before we even think about rebuilding anything, we need to, as the good old saying says, check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. Our heart is the most important place where Jesus needs to be the foundation in order so that he can actually start building something for his glory. Because if something else is sitting on the throne that's not us, it's going to fall. But if he is on the throne, even if it falls, even if the pieces don't go the way we thought they were, everything's going to be okay. Church, everything's going to be okay. COVID can't stop the church. Sickness can't stop the church. Political agendas cannot stop the church. War cannot stop the church. God is still God, and God is good. So one thing, one thing to remember is that you are called to be built up, to be offered up as the body of Christ by Jesus, in Jesus, and for Jesus. And if you ever forget it, make sure there is no little bit of you in there. Dethrone it, kick it out, because it's all about Jesus. And one thing to do this week, pray for God to reveal if there's anything in your life that you have been making the cornerstone other than him that has been taking the place of God in your heart and just ask God to tear that away so that he can become front and center, so that he can rebuild what he wants to do. Let's pray. God, we thank you because you are amazing. You are the living stone, and because you are that, we have so much to look forward to as we are stirred up and built up and offered up in worship all for the praise of your glory. Forgive us for all of the idolatry and, and all of the things that we've put before you, God. We surrender that to you. And we ask that you be glorified and you be honored and you be exalted. Prepare our hearts as we remember the ultimate sacrifice on the craziest of altars where you were broken for us so that we could now be a part of the church, the called out ones. In your name we pray, amen.